Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So we did Easter a week early (laughs) this weekend. And I, as a non-parent, was unsure of how to help in this situation. <laughs> do you want to know what I do? What do you do? I sit on the couch and I read a book. Well, I mean, yes, that would definitely be an option. But it's interesting watching because both my siblings, like my sibling and my spouse's sibling, they both only have one child. And so do you. And so like, do you give in to the ridiculousness of your child's requests to keep them calm and chill? Or do you let them learn lessons when sometimes the lesson's not that important to learn? I don't know. He, I love Elliot. He is the chillest child and he's never really been a fit thrower, at least in front of company, especially in public. But mom and dad forgot his Easter basket. Oh, no. And it was a meltdown. It was a meltdown. Yeah. But dad opted to drive home and get it. And we didn't start until he got back because it was only five minutes each way. I feel like forgetting an Easter basket when you're specifically for Easter is a big deal. And I think Brian would have gone back to get it as well. Yeah. So I don't judge how we handled the situation. I just didn't know how to help as the non-parent. I'm just like, you want to take pictures? No? Okay, cool. We'll just Uh sit here and wait. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Distraction is typically what we try to do. And and I mean, so following the book of like gentle parenting and like attachment parenting, which is what we do. Yeah. Like forgetting the Easter basket would be frustrating. That would make me really sad too. Here's what we're going to do to tackle it. And in the meantime, Let's do whatever, whatever, and like try to distract. But we had the exact same thing happen this weekend. We didn't do Easter, but we went over for a fish fry at my aunt's and my Nana was in town and Penny has a ton of great grandparents, like a ton 
a ton of them, great grandmothers specifically, that are still alive. And so we had three of them gathered in one room this weekend, which was wild to me. And so anyways, we're all over there and we're doing a fish fry, but Penny's old enough now to where we've called fish before chicken for her and she'll eat it. Cause like, if she hears it's fish, she'll like be grossed out by it. Cause it's like super mild fish and it's breaded. So it basically looks like chicken. So she's eaten it before, but she's getting older now to where she's like heard the word fish or like, it looks a little different. And so she won't eat it. So we got her chicken nuggets, like frozen chicken nuggets to just cook while we're there. And so she ate those while we all ate everything else, but we were leaving and we were across the street, like out of the neighborhood, across the street. And she goes, my chicken nuggets. <laughs> like we left them in the freezer. at oh, Angie's no. house. And so I like look at Brian and he's like, I will turn around because we were so close. And so we did turn around and grab our chicken nuggets. And so we kind of did the same thing. But. Yeah, because it's just like, it's not that inconvenient. And right. it will change the trajectory of the entire day. A hundred percent. And I'm either turning around and getting them, or I'm just going to go to the store and buy more. And so we're getting more regardless. So right. we might as well get the ones we've already paid for. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Uh-huh. It was, yeah, there are some, you know, and and ultimately that comes down to the conversation. And and this is how I talk about it often is like, what is the hill that you're willing to die on? And I do not have very many that I am willing to die on as a parent, but she knows when it's like, that's mama's hill that there's no budging. Like, this is my hard and fast, like, I'm not going to do this, or this is our boundary. This is our rule or whatever. Like ultimately at the end of the day, everything else just doesn't matter. (laughs) Like you have to pick your like handful of things and then nothing else matters. Yeah. I think we're at this like tipping point where like it is just changing from handling a child's basic needs. Like, are they fed, slept, like, you know, whatever. To to nurturing him into a person who has feelings. Right. And so I'm like, oh, I probably need to like sit down and have a conversation with my sister and see how she wants me to show up. What are your boundaries? What do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure she totally knows yet because it's all still so new, but Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. I mean, he's growing into a human. We also have been looking at houses for my mom and it was just funny you know, I forget that children, I mean, I know children have no filter. I, I knew that, but like walking into a house, it was like, well, we didn't want to tell him too much because he would just spill everything to the realtor. Yeah. 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 So he was like, why are we here? We're just looking. <laughs> We're just looking around. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Those aren't our toys, buddy. Well, why not? Well, oh, why we're not, not at home. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh. house. but mm-hmm. he still thinks hide and seek is hysterical when you can't find him. And I'm like holding on to that for as long as possible. I loathe hide and seek because Penny still likes playing it, but she'll play it with friends at the park. And she's played it at the park once where I was up there and I'm reading a book and she's playing and I'm sitting on the bench, literally facing the equipment And one second I see her and one second I don't. It was one of those things. And she's gone. She's gone missing for a couple minutes before. I don't know if I've talked about that on this show before. It's still very traumatizing. Yeah, it's a lot. But we were at that same fucking park. (laughs) And 
I don't see her. And a couple lessons I've learned from this, and it's just kind of hard to do in the moment because we are so conditioned to not cause a scene and not like be dramatic and not be loud. I think, especially as women, like we could, that's a whole other conversation, but as society in general, like you're just taught to not really cause a scene. But the number one rule is as soon as you realize your child is missing, you have to be loud and you have to rope other people into helping you find your child. You should not do it quietly and you should not do it alone. And so I know these things. And yet I'm still like so embarrassed that I can't see her and that I like lost sight of her. And so I'm not calling out her name and I'm not yelling and I'm not doing the things. So I'm just like taking a moment to like, okay, I stood up. I'm looking around and I'm just like being really quiet and just listening. And all of a sudden I can hear counting and ready or not, here I come. And I'm like, that motherfucker is playing hide and seek at a public park. And so I start to look around and sure as shit, she's like hiding kind of on the side of the bathroom building. And so as soon as she sees my face, she knows. Cause that like, again, this is a hill I will die on is like, we're not gonna do this in a public space where I can't well, and that's what I was gonna say is like I think it's fine for now but the next time it comes up I'm gonna be like we're not gonna play this in public buddy like right right just at home and you also have to go over safe places in the home like she's hidden once here where it was and she was just in a basket of blankets like it wasn't a dangerous place but we have a deep freezer we have a basement uh-huh. like we have things and I'm like Okay, I think we should just be done with this game. I don't like this game anymore. <laughs> well, he's definitely still little enough where like he's hiding behind the most obvious thing. Oh yeah. And giggling's my favorite. And so like it's he's, so like behind a, like behind a pole. <laughs> but I said, "Okay, buddy, we can only hide behind this tree, which I could clearly see behind." Yeah. Yeah. And then he started like walking towards the back fence and I said, "Buddy." No. And so I sprinted after him and he's like um, I didn't do it. And he went to hide behind the tree again. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the game. I don't like the game. I don't don't like it. Yeah. So we had a whole conversation about hide and seek, especially with friends I don't know. Like, I don't know what their rules are. And you're hiding behind this building. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nope. (laughs) Terrifying. Terrifying. All right. Well, let's move into some businessy chatter. We have a list to share with you all today, a list of goodies, a list of golden nuggets that we have learned over the last, would you say, 18 months when we've kind of like... Yeah, I'd say the majority of these were the mo- were more recent. Like, it's not like yeah. we're zooming back years and no, the very no. beginning of business. These are definitely newer insights, things that we've implemented more recently, and things that I know our clients can also benefit from. And so... There, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, these are things I'd be paying attention to for yourself and really focus on how they could be implemented for you. And they're for sure things we're working on with our incubator students. Yeah. You know, as everyone has realized, the last couple of years have just been a little wonky and can be surprising and can be frustrating. And what we were realizing is that. I would say 18 months ago and then backtrack six more months, we started really seeing a lot of things that we had done and consistently gotten predictable results from. I'm not saying they were like incredible results, but predictable results from. We would do those things and the results wouldn't happen or we would do it and it would be like worse. (laughs) And so there were things happening that we kept 
trying and kept trying to iterate on that we had tried for years prior in our business and had seen results from, and they just weren't working. And I know that that sticking point is kind of happening for a lot of service-based business owners, especially in the last few years. And so we wanted to kind of gather up the best things that we feel like actually did move the needle the most for our service-based business, especially as things are a little bit confusing sometimes. And I think you'll be surprised a little bit on kind of how foundational some of these steps really are. Yeah. Now, this first one may come as no surprise to you, but for others, you may be shocked to find out that this is something we've implemented. But we turned off ads, was it last all of 22? Summer of 22? Yeah. Yeah. So they've been off over six months at this point. But for sure, even prior to that, we were really noticing this shift in success rate. It used to be a bit more of a predictable ROI. And as the return on investment became more, a lot more like gambling (laughs) and a lot less like hedging your bets on something that you felt really confident in, we moved away from spending money on advertising. But for a while now, we've been talking to our clients about how can you continue to be successful, not relying on ads, not relying on social, not relying on what's trendy in terms of marketing tactics. And we've noticed as we've focused less in those areas, like less than even before when we were kind of part of the noise, I feel like. Well, because we not only stopped all ads, but we also cut our blog content in half and really stopped focusing on creating a daily or multi-week presence on Instagram. We still post, like if you go to our account, it's up to date. But I remember specifically in a marketing meeting where I was just so exhausted with the work that we were putting in, especially for Instagram stories, because we would design like series of stories that like told a story or had some engagement activities or talked about something, right? And our graphic designer would design something and our marketing assistant would plan out the series and then make sure the links are there and and make sure it all like is cute and on brand and functions and like it's posted at the right time. And a lot of time was being spent there. And I one day was just like, let's just stop all of it and see what happens. And nothing bad happened. Only positive things happened. So I was like, fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. So I think there was a fear that if we slowed down or completely stopped in some of these areas, that it would negatively impact sales. But not only do I see no correlation, but I don't see any causation at all. Like these things can be successful and get traction. I'm not saying you're not going to get a social post that does better than something else, but it was not changing the someone falling through on buying. I do think there's something to be said for still staying present, but being present is different than this like onslaught of constant new pressure to like being showing up in this big way. But that was just one of many changes. So that was the first one that I felt like was pretty counter yeah. What we were seeing in the industry. But starting um, this, starting there gave us some breathing room to do the other things that we're going to talk about. Right. Today. 
And I think this next one, our clients are kind of used to, and it was less weird for them, I think, than perhaps it has been for us. Because, you know, most of our clients are 100% in services. We do have a couple clients that have a bit of a hybrid model, but the majority of them are service only. And we still are educators at heart. We are still, we still do and create a lot of media. And so having you know, different pricing for different types of clients has always been a part of our history. But we dropped a lot of our lower priced courses, closed things, not even necessarily because they needed to be closed, but they were so outdated. It was like we didn't feel good about continuing to sell them unless we plan to really update them significantly. And we've shifted into a more premium pricing model. I wouldn't say we're luxury, but it's more in alignment with a coaching and consulting service than it is with kind of those course based prices that are on that lower end. And that has a trickle effect across so many things. But I feel really, really good about that shift. Yeah. Well, and it's one we've kept up. I mean, I think all of these are things that we've iterated on in some way over the last 18 months and doing that one, moving to a more premium pricing model and being more intentional about getting more, not like more people as in tons of people, but focusing more on getting people in the higher price tiers than we had previously when we were talking about a $29 offer or a $399 offer. And this isn't to say that in those 18 months, we didn't try a low price offer. Uh because There was a moment where, you know, again, everything was being weird and you would try something that wasn't working. So you would try something else and try something else. So we tried a $199 offer in the middle of even this journey. And it was kind of one of those like, nope, steer the course, focus on premium. It's not worth it because, and we say this all the time. We've literally said this from like the beginning of time, the amount of time that it takes you to create and market a premium priced offer and a low priced offer is the same. Like the amount of energy is the same and it's actually more, the lower the offer is because you have to show up more and in different ways. And so if you're going to be doing the same effort you might as well get paid more for that effort. Well, and I will say as an aside in terms of effort, like the middle of it is probably my least favorite because there's a longer consideration phase, but the clients tend to have a lot more questions and more concerns and objections. And as we've shifted some of our things, not everything, but some of our offers to even the higher end, it's either just a really clear yes or no. And and like, I need that. I want you to be fully, fully committed that you know, this is right for you and dive in or not. I'm not trying to like convince no one to buy anything right now. That's not the season that I think anyone of us needs to be in. (laughs) Right. No. No. Another thing that we did moving on the list is deciding to work with the same client, but at different points in their journey. And so we kind of got shown this really big lesson around 18-ish months ago 
that kind of taught us to look at our ideal clients that kind of fall on a range of like zero to 10, so to speak. And we'll have dreamy clients at different points of their journey at no matter what stage they are, if they're at zero or if they're at a 10, they have different needs. Their business is at different stages. They are thinking differently. They have different obstacles. So what can we serve them at stage three, five, six, 10? And it's the same person, but we're continuing to work with them in kind of a wider aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what informed some of the changes we made. Because we're further along in their journey and we're priced more premium, we can go deeper with that client and like work on more things with that specific client rather than trying to cast a wider net and like not to say that we didn't have periods along this journey where we did cast a wider net to try things, to experiment with things, to see what would work best for our team. But going deeper and getting like a deeper result in one area has made, in my mind, a bigger impact on our clients' businesses. And I think they can see a lot more of the like, tangible cause and effect that our business has had on them versus in the past, you know, Trello for Business being one of those good examples out there, it was super low price. And we would definitely get people coming in and saying, oh my gosh, you changed everything about project management for me and really inform my future. But like when you're doing a $29 at a time, we can't even go back and like ask them follow-up questions or dig into it deeper or see what continued issues they're having. Because volume wise, you have to sell so many. But when you're selling at a, a bit more of a premium price point, even when it is working, already, we can be like, okay, it's working. I love that for you. How can we continue to see better results, longer term results, more permanent results, more sustainable results? And I think part of it, I remember feeling like a couple of years ago, we had lost touch, not in a bad way, but like we had been talking so broadly for so long that I stopped feeling like I knew who our clients were. Like I didn't have the capacity because of how many people it was. We're talking hundreds or thousands of people. I didn't have the capacity to know every single person's business and what was going on in it and what their challenges were. And now I'm like, I know our clients. I know their unique challenges. I know how their industry adds nuance to how they go about sales or how it presents this particular challenge. And we've been able to come up with more creative solutions because we can go deeper mm -hmm. with clients and spend more one-on-one -on -one time with them. Well, and I see it no more clearly than when I'm looking at our clients who are sitting in our incubator program and then our clients that we work with in our C-suite on demand program. And we have literal clients who graduate the incubator and move directly into C-suite. And it's so wild to me to just see like, holy crap, like the implementation of what you took from this program absolutely got you primed and ready for this stage. And you were not ready. Your brain wasn't ready. Your business wasn't ready. Your systems weren't ready to tackle anything in this area that's included in C-suite on demand in the incubator. Like You were not ready. And that's okay to not be ready. And it's okay for your business to need to take a pause and like refine some stuff first and get yourself ready. And then all of a sudden, when you're adding on those new layers, it's easier. It makes more sense. You have more money. You have more stability. It's just, it's great. 
I love that we do that basically. I know. <laughs> well, and all this to say, like, if you haven't listened to the last few episodes where we talked about what are those phases in the journey, like that's part of why what she's saying is true. It's also the, like, we talked about why you might price premium or is a retainer better or not? Like go back and listen to some of those episodes. Cause this really builds upon that. And that like, you do have to make some tangible decisions and like, not that you're married to them because that's one of the things that I see a lot of our clients struggling with is they think that if they make this decision now, it impacts them forever. And I'm like, you're making a decision now to impact you now. And if in three months it no longer serves you, we can change yeah. your mind. Well, and that moves right into the next step. Right? Like we could talk about, and it's my favorite. I love it so much that I developed a training to train our actual team on how to do this. And we've talked about it a lot on this podcast and with our clients. Come hell or high water. This is the thing that I will force your brain to comprehend when you work with us. And it's how to develop and then like, actually live in every single day, an experimental mindset. And that is, I mean, that is the core of how all of these things even came to be when we're having a conversation about what if we turn off ads? What do we think would happen? What if we post less on social? What if we help this client in this way also? Like all of these were just posed as questions within our team, within discussions with me and Abby, with leadership, with whatever. And we may not like it. We may do something and then we're like, actually, I didn't like how that shifted out or turned out or whatever. And then we go back to not even the drawing board, but we just go back to this discussion phase to see what's another little pivot of that that we could try. And I do think that's been so critical. I mean, not that we didn't do it before. When we did things before, we saw them as more concrete decisions. We saw them as more permanent decisions. Not that we couldn't change our mind later, but like if we had built a course in one way, changing the curriculum was like a really big deal and not something we would do lightly. Whereas now we're like, Oh, well, if we change the curriculum, as long as we have justification and not that you have to justify every decision, but like, I want data to back up why we're going to make a decision or a change and everything feels like a little bit looser. Like I don't feel as tied to any one decision we're making and everything feels more fluid and flexible and Well, and I think that deeply connects to the last point that we'll make, and I'm not going to tease it yet, but I think those two things are very connected. A hundred percent. You know, the last point I'll make with this, and I think is a good correlation because, you know, we relate a lot of the way we run our business back to the fact that we've been through art school and like our ability to critique things. But I also think there's a lot of like science and engineering that's reflected here. And, you know, if a building is built to only stand straight up, it will fall over when blunt force winds hit it. And so like the same thing is true for your business. Like there has to be some ability to literally move and go with the flow or it'll knock you over flat on your back. And so I think it's- there is a way to bend and not break, like to go back to exactly. like my exactly. emo high school days of like all those emo songs of bend and not break. That's what we are making. Yeah, that's what it's talking about. And like, I used to think that that meant we were less together or less like 
decision-oriented or less developed as managers or leaders. And I completely disagree. I think we're so much more mature in our decision-making than we ever were (laughs) early on in our business. And I think this next point is a good reflection of that because want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. When we were earlier stages, and I definitely see clients going through this, and when they bring stuff up, I'm like, ooh, I know what's going on. And when you see things not working, 
and your business, regardless of how bad it's not working or not, regardless of what the frustration stems from, we tend to see a lot of blame shifting, shift blaming, blaming shift, shift, you know what I'm saying? Shifting. Where you're looking outside of yourself. You're like, ooh, this thing's broken because this thing over here isn't working or worse, this person over here isn't working. And, you know, we did the same thing. You're trying to diagnose and you bring your car into the shop and it's not working. You want to figure out why it's not working. Well, I think it's important that we pay attention to, we have to continue to reflect on how we can improve as leaders and managers as part of this, regardless if you're working with just a handful of contractors, or you do have a team of employees. But I do see this maturity. And if something bad happens, regardless of the nature of it, Emily and I stop first, before we have a conversation with anyone else. And we're like, what could we do better? How could we change our communication? How could we be more specific on delegation? How could we make sure we're getting clear on what our expectations are and sharing those things? Mm-hmm. Most and- of the time, it's quite literally like, did you share your expectations for this? Did you even identify, not you, you, but like the person who's bringing it up or frustrated? Did you identify what done looks like to you? And was that communicated? Yeah. And so the nice thing, since there's two of us, is we can kind of like put that back on the other person Uh a little bit. But I even see it where we'll one or both of us will be frustrated. And like, even without bringing up the questions, like we now are to the point where we skip a lot of the questioning phase. And we'll be like, you know what, we didn't do this, or we need to focus on this, or we need to add this thing before there's any sort of outside blame at all because and it's just shifted everything like our team is more loyal our team is more set up for success Mm -hmm. and we're getting more of the kinds of results we're actually looking for because we're getting more clear on what we want and And how I see this coming to light for people with especially with people with a smaller team especially if you don't have full-time employees yet and you're working with with contractors or maybe you have a part-time employee an assistant whatever is you're making the process And, but typically, even if you've made the process, you're having different expectations for those people because you're kind of putting them in the bucket of they should be acting more as employees and you're not treating them like the contractor that they are. And we've had an entire episode where we break down kind of the do's and don'ts of contractors versus employees. And it's really mindful for you to understand that boundary and how those expectations are different when you're working with contractors versus employees. And just to make sure that you're getting what you should be getting out of that specific relationship and not expecting what you can't legally expect out of that relationship. Yeah. And it's not to say you can't do a better job of explaining a project or delegating better or like giving more context because those all affect outcome regardless of if they need to just run with it versus you're going to be training and helping them along the way. But it's still, I want you to constantly focus on turning inward first before reacting in anger, frustration, or yeah, blaming. 100%. And you may not even call it blaming. You're just like, 
you have a general sense of angst about yeah, frustration, venting, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I can't. Like, if you're going there, pause we'll and then take a beat and then like look at yourself in the mirror a little bit and see some ways that you can improve. And I wouldn't say we're good at this all the time, like that, no. but, but I will say the shift to focus first on us first has been huge. Now, this next one surprised me like a lot, actually, because if you've been paying attention to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard us talk about kind of shifting away from looking at goals. And initially, that's what it was. Initially, it was, let's put down these goals and let's focus on outcomes. But I will say what's come on the backside of that is as we put those things down, it wasn't that those things went away entirely. It was that it was this much bigger picture. Like it was less of this launch needs to produce X amount of dollars and do this thing to, okay, we do know what our operating budget looks like. We do know what we need to hit to make payroll. <laughs> it doesn't always like hit exactly the way we had planned, but that was never the goal or intention. And instead, Emily and I are focused much longer term, but with the focus of longer term, like I'm talking five to 15 years down the road, with the focus of longer term, we're looking at how can we do things today to put us on course for that? Yep. Yeah. And it might not look anything like what we wanted to eventually look no, like. No. But because those things become more of like a destination and we're kind of building the flight path as we're building the plane, you know, I've been mindful that there are absolutely decisions we would have made differently if we were super focused on being super profitable this month or like hitting some annual sales number or whatever. And I'm excited about having this more long-term focus. Now, I know for some of our clients, that feels like a luxury. And you're absolutely going to have to have moments where you're like, I need to get back to blank before I can even imagine. I damn near guarantee you a lot of you are not ready to start thinking about the vision yet. And that's okay. I want to like give you a breath of fresh air that it is totally fine to be initially focused on how do I get to X number of dollars every single month and feel really good about sustaining that number? I can tell you like this shift for me, like I feel like had the most effect on my like CEO founder mentality mindset than anything else that we've done because it got me thinking about the business. Honestly, the more conversations we have around with this lens, the less my worth is tied into the business. And the more that that is disconnected, the more I can truly like picture myself as a drone flying above our business as this living, breathing creature and being like, hmm, what do I want to do differently? How do I want this to feel different? What's fun about it? What do I not like about it? How can I pivot it and spin it around and make adjustments to it? They don't have anything to do with me, but like, how do I want the entire thing to feel and look like and act and breathe? And what do I want it to do today to serve us now? And like Abby's saying, but still continue to lay a brick down, a brick every single day down to carve the new path that we eventually want. And it's just so freeing to know that like, I don't have to completely change the business tomorrow in order to feel like I'm heading towards my vision goal. I'm just making very smart decisions today. 
that are going to like, I swear, I keep talking about it with Abby, like one day, and it could be 18 months from now, two years from now, three years from now, I'm not married to the time at all. One day we're going to look up and be like, holy freaking shit balls. This business is entirely different. Do you remember those conversations we had about laying the bricks down for an entirely different business or how it would serve us? And holy moly, like, I think the last brick has been laid and not that it's done, but it's like that version of it. And like that part gets me so excited. Yeah. And I think part of that comes from, we are at a totally different spot. I mean, we're almost eight years in business. So like, it's less about how do I build a business that's not going to like tip over and blow away tomorrow? Cause absolutely in the beginning it was, uh-huh. how do I build a business that's going to stay around? I have no doubt the business will continue to stay around and continue to serve people in a variety of ways and go on to sell many different types of products and services. And I can still build towards a vision of the future. And I think part of it, I'll just put like one more asterisk to say, I see businesses with capital have the ability to do this so much sooner. Mm-hmm. And I understand all the time. I understand and feel your frustration as mm-hmm. someone who's bootstrapped it. And every dollar I put into the business is a dollar the business earned. It's hard. It's different. It's different. It's different. different. Sometimes I hate it. (laughs) It's different to make decisions knowing that the business is like self-funding towards that future versus you're like, if I just had girl, I know. Someone gave me like half a million dollars, a million. Great. But I want the money without their opinion. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like, we could take investors, but I don't want anyone else to have stakes. So like, there are still decisions we're making because we're not pursuing that path. But I also understand the luxury that money provides. Uh And it, we're doing things a little bit at a time. Or if we didn't have to pay ourselves. Like, you know how many people who are just like this conversation I have with new business owners all the time where they're just like, I don't understand. Like, and I'm just like making evolutions and growing this business. And it's, you know, it's not hard. I'm just trying to figure this part out. I'm like, well, bitch, have you paid yourself at all? Because I bet you haven't. And I bet you haven't paid yourself consistently. As soon as you start needing to rely on your income to pay your bills, things change. And our clients have a business that they need to pay their bills. And so, yeah, it's different. It is different. And part of it is like playing business versus like, yeah, this is your job, not just your business. Like this is your salary and livelihood. And you do a lot of things to protect your livelihood Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't otherwise protect if it was it's also why you need a third party perspective on this decisions because yours are very, very, very biased. They are biased. I totally know why Emily and I have sought. When I say counsel, I mean like people who are further along in business, who've made more revenue, who've had bigger teams, who've, you know, we've turned to other people to see how we can avoid some of the mistakes they've made. And like, skip past them in some ways, but also to get an outside perspective because you can get so close to it that it's hard to see through the weeds. Now, this next bit, I have been 
honestly a little surprised how much of a difference this has made. Not that, not that your messaging doesn't matter. It absolutely does. But when you're earlier on in business and your capacity is super low, like as in you can really only work with a couple of clients at a time, you putting time and energy here doesn't really make a difference because you're either at capacity or seeking to get at capacity. And so the conversations are mattering a lot more than like, what you're just like putting yeah. out into the world as like you could not have a website and it would be fine. A hundred percent. We're at a different stage where our capacity is much higher. We have more of a team that we can fill. And I have been shocked how much this has made a difference for us. So do you want to speak to it from a marketing lens and then I can add to it from a sales lens? Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that we've absolutely landed a client, a really great client from our actual website is bananas to me, but we were due. We were due for a messaging change as we were kind of going through this process of really communicating how we actually have expertly showed up for clients and what it is that we do and speaking specifically to people who we wanted to work with. And so we did reveal a new brand, same name, but new brand, new kind of color scheme, and definitely new language on our website and various web pages to communicate how we work with clients these days. And we've gotten super, super specific on the services that we offer and how we help. And we've been constantly shifting. We just went through a homepage edit. Literally last week, I was going through and being like, um, we don't actually do that. Um, now that we've worked with clients in this capacity, that's not how I would say this. And it's small, subtle shifts like that from, you know, a catchy headline on our homepage to what questions we ask on a lead capture form that make a huge difference in the conversations that you're having behind the scenes. Yeah. And it's surprising having it out there. You know, we've made a shift. This may sound basic to y'all, but like as someone who's run a hybrid business, I was shocked how much of a difference this made. Essentially, we ditched the sales page method, essentially. There's little to none of that left in the business, incredibly intentionally. And even if there's quote unquote, like curriculum or bonuses or stages or workbooks (laughs) or any of those things involved with the service delivery, we're selling it as a service and talking about it as a service and putting language out there to showcase it as a service because it is. Because it is. And oh my gosh, like light years different in terms of responsiveness the pages are shorter, but more effective. And people, there's less confusion. Oh, yeah. And know whether it's right for them or yeah. not. People are coming to the table and being like, I looked at this, that, and this. And I'm feeling like, well, this is going to be like quick and dirty. But like, this is really going to be at the pace that I want to go at. And it's like, yeah. yep. You're right. <laughs> you're, right. you're absolutely right. And so I really have seen the improvements there as a sales tool. So if you're at the point where you're just trying to get clients consistently, don't focus. If you're growing your team actively and like your capacity is increasing, then I would absolutely put your time and attention 
into making messaging and web improvements. And if this is something you're uncomfortable doing yourself, this is something our team can help with. So it's just been crazy, the independent results we've had, like landing clients in the, I don't even know the right way to put it without feeling weird about saying it, but like, trust me, big projects, big clients, you know, long-term proposals for people and web being a big reason why Mm -hmm. they're moving in that direction. Well, and it kind of goes next straight into our next point of experimenting with package in the lens and still in the scope of our expertise. And so instead of saying, I could offer you like this and also this and also this, and they're like kind of completely unrelated. It's more so in the sense of, I use the phrase of meeting your ideal client where they're at right now, because In the same sense that your business has been wackadoodle the past couple of years and you're confused about what's going on and you know that changes need to be made for you and your business, the same thing is true with your clients in whatever realm that they're in, whether it be health or their home or their finances or design, whatever, the same things are true for them. And so what I like to say is like, you have the same core skill set. It's just, how are we presenting it? We're presenting it by meeting our client where they're at right now. Yeah. And part of it involved a, like a broad experimentation. So like we knew we could show up in six, seven, eight different arenas. We tried it. We landed clients in almost each of those categories. Some we didn't at all, which we're like, oh, well, that's okay. That we're just not going to put our time and attention there. Get out. Okay. (laughs) Well, of these... This is the stuff we enjoyed the most, saw the best results, had the best process, et cetera. And we've experimented widely and then honed in and continue to hone in. But even with that honed in approach, you know, even 18 months ago, we were talking with clients about having one signature service. And even if you have a primary thing you're offering, I don't want to lead you astray and say that we're not editing scope for clients. We are absolutely paying attention to our clients' needs and editing, I would say, depending on the client, depending on the size of the project, anywhere between 5 and 20% of the deliverables. Now, for some of these clients, the scope is just scaling. So it's not like a different type of scope. We're not doing something entirely different. It just may be a 25-page website instead of an eight or a nine-page website. It may be migrating hundreds of blog posts versus having a website with no blog. So the, like, we're not talking about totally different scope, but we're not married to, this we're going to have a cookie-cutter approach to every right. client. We're just, well, it's, it's how our strategy intensive were born, where we looked at our entire curriculum and program or service and how we've been helping clients. And we saw common issues that they were having. And at first we made it really wide. We can help you with like any of these kind of issues and we can do it in this one. It's kind of like a VIP day approach, except it's 30 days. And so we cannot condense ourselves to one day. I don't think we ever can in our life. That's just who we are, but it's still, it's very speedy. It's very fast. It's very quick results. But what we've realized is that not only if we narrow the focus for y'all, but there's also like thematically three kind of categories that you guys come to us for with help that have the biggest impact and the biggest 
change in your results. And so we're only going to offer those. Like we're going to be the experts and guide you into what's actually going to be effective and efficient for you. But it's going to be under the umbrella of like, kind of choose your own adventure. Like what's your most pressing need? And we can even tell you what your most pressing need is. Yeah. Usually I, <laughs> usually I already know what yeah, your most know. pressing need is. And that's, we know. <laughs> and I think part of that is because we've gotten really clear in advance of what we are willing and not willing to do. And with all of it, all of the lens of everything we've done, everything we've experimented with, everything we put out into the world, all the decisions we've made have had this focus on alignment with our culture. And then our culture is made up of a lot of things, but I would say one of the three things that we continue to come back to, and I feel like have the most, they're the most tangible to explain in a two minute segment on the podcast <laughs> is a focus on a mission, vision, and values. Values probably being the most underlooked, underutilized part of all of this, because as we've defined what our values are as a company, we use them as a lens for how we're going to show up for our clients, for our team, what we will and won't say yes to, how we will and won't respond how we will and won't react. Like it's like all the guiding how to on how to think about something or tackle something or approach something. So remember when I brought it up earlier, when we were talking about developing an experimental mindset, what I was tying into is one of our values is lighthearted. And I like to imagine if you have an area that you want to improve on, like typically it's a weak spot for yours, right? And so for us, it's not that we were weak at being experimental, but what we were weak at was tying specific expectations and time and urgency and results to what we were experimenting. We're going to try this and it has to do this. And then we're going to get to do that thing forever and it's going to be great. And there were still lots of like worthiness connected to what we were putting out into the world. And so we decided to make a value called lighthearted. And part of that is not everything is an emergency. There is no addiction to urgency and time and, and ridiculous results just for the sake of ridiculous results. And we're going to do things with ease. And if sometimes that means slowing down or enjoying the journey or whatever it can look like for us, that's, that's what we're going to do. And so for us, we use that value as kind of the guiding principle or the how to have an experimental mindset. Whenever we find it frustrating to be curious or frustrating to experiment, we remind ourselves and check in with each other within our entire team. Remember, one of our values is to be lighthearted. So how can we come at this with ease and a little bit more like less stress and less overwhelm and less like it has to do this certain thing and just see, can we just see what's going to happen? Yeah. And it's been huge. It's become such a lens that it's something we absolutely bring up in the incubator and then really spend a lot of time in on in our C-suite on demand because our goal is to really make sure that you're running in a business that's in alignment with how you want to be living your life and is has that vision of being a bit more future focused. Even if you're not ready to spend your time there yet, I want to know for you, what you're going after so that I can guide you as a coach and as a consultant in the direction of what you want. Because I've absolutely been in the situation on a weekly coaching call with our incubator clients where one client will bring something up 
And I'm like, well, for you, because of Mm -hmm. everything I know about you, this is what I would do. But I will literally stop myself and I'll be like, but you over here who I know is paying too much attention to what I'm saying right now does not apply because of all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to have these as a lens for yourself because not everyone has the same goals. Not everyone has the same vision for their future or how they want to show up in their business. And frankly, some people's businesses are not as big a deal to them as they are to other people. And that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, And we need to make decisions with that as a focus because even though our business is our baby and our livelihood and a huge part of our day-to-day life, like there's a reason our business has a life first approach to everything we do. And we will make decisions that I know peers in our industry would like put a side eye to, but because we know what our values are, we stay focused. Yeah. And we collectively as a team and culture value our life before we value this business. Yeah. Not the other way around. Now, I don't often talk about results, but when I say we move the needle the most, I mean, in the last 18 months, our business has more than doubled. We went from a team of two to a team of seven full-time. We reduced our contractor load significantly, but we do still have subject matter experts on our team. And our revenue is at a completely different playing field than we were before. And we've seen and helped so many of our clients be on a totally different trajectory. And it's not always about a radically different revenue number for them as it is a radically different lifestyle for them. We've seen our clients have more consistency. We've seen our clients feel more at ease. And we've seen many of them start to better understand and like put some protections in place to not draw so much of their value from the success of their business. And they have become more independent of their business going one direction or another. And we're starting a new cohort soon of the incubator. And I'd love for you to consider being a part of this journey because we want to help you have radical realizations in your own business and make changes that don't just change revenue or profit, but truly have a deep impact on how you show up as a human and how you feel seen in this online world. And we want to get to know you as people. We want to get to know you with your unique challenges and find unique ways to show up in a space that that has a lot of challenges right now. Like everyone's facing some craziness out there in the real world. And we're all on the same playing field. And doing this in community has been incredibly powerful. So I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can go right now to bossproject.com slash incubator, see a little bit more about what this program is all about and grab a time with me. I want to chat with you. I want to hear your story. I want to help you decide if this is a good fit for you. And I want to help move the needle in your business. So I can't wait to chat. And I know Emily is so excited to welcome you on the other side. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, 
all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.